You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers. The 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 out 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, and... This week's show is sort of a hodgepodge of topics, um, you know, just one of those sitting around a campfire kind of whatever comes up. Uh, so it ranges from topics on toilet paper and are you a folder or a crumpler to um, I had a, a COVID scare to canoe kayak registration 350 legend feeding issues so we we cover a lot of uh, wide ranging topics in this one but before we get into that i need to talk about our sponsor mastins deer sense so mastins is a deer scent company they sponsor this show and we really greatly appreciate that it helps us continue to make the show and and bring it all to you so if scent is something that you've used in the past or something that you're looking to use this fall I encourage you to check out Mastin's. One, their prices are really good, and they are a certified CWD-free facility, which is important to me. So check them out. They've got your standard liquid scent. They've got scented candles, like deer-scented candles. They've got scented gel crystals. So lots of different things. Whatever whatever it is you're looking for, they probably have it. You can go to mastinsdeersense.com order from there or just go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors and find all of our sponsor information there. So let's get into updates this week. Jeff, uh, anything new? I just came in from outside. I'm working on um, an, uh, an old deer skull. It was a, a skull from a couple years ago that I 
boiled and, and pressure washed and never got like really clean, you know, and I've, I've gone down this, uh, maceration, you know, soaking them in, in warm water. So I'm trying to get this one cleaned up a little better. And I think I'm on to the, uh, the degreasing step. So I was filling the bucket with soapy water and, and came in and hit record with you. So what's new with you? Yeah, I haven't done much in the outdoor world recently. Uh, last week I had my surgery, my second hernia surgery. So I've been basically laid up most of the week. From, from Um, what, from what I've been hearing in, in, text messages you know just you me jacob dad whatever is that recovery maybe seems to be going better on this one than the last one yeah yeah uh the recovery is a lot better on this one i mean i think i think last time my recovery was so poor um because i had another hernia so like having one side repaired put extra pressure on the other side and you know so i was in pain Um, extra pain yeah right right extra pain so now that everything's all fixed and you know they went in and strengthened my abdominal wall you know a little better uh i think you know i'm progressing better than last time that's good i mean it it had really taken me three months to feel you know back to to normal Mm -hmm. you know with the first one and i think i'll be back to normal much quicker than that with this one hopefully well that's good good to hear so that's uh basically what i've been up to been uh you know spending a lot of time on facebook and social media you know not what much else, else to do, do. <laughs> right not not right. El- much else much else to do when you gotta basically sit around you know can't really you know i'm not supposed to lift more than 20 pounds which you know and it basically you know for the first couple of days hurt to you know basically just walk around so you got a double whammy because you got hernia restrictions or hernia recovery restrictions and pandemic so there's you know right can't do anything and there's nothing to do (laughs) right right yeah yeah so i've been spending a lot of time on social media and stuff and I I don't know. That's one thing is I don't understand why people, you know, especially in the hunting and fishing community, like uh, why people have to be jerks to other people. Yeah. Like, you know, people will ask questions about, you know, a regulation or something, you know, like i i couldn't find this or sometimes they probably don't even try to find it in the regs book but they'll ask you know a question and you know people want to harp on them like we'll read the regs book or you know and then it's like well if you don't even know this i'm sure you're probably breaking 10 other laws and it's like why couldn't you just answer the question or 
maybe not yeah. even answer the question, but tell them like, hey, it's in the regs book, this page. I, I, I wonder sometimes if people maybe don't think about how something is going to sound or come across in a, you know, what's essentially a text or a, or a, you know, a little snippet on a Facebook post. And, you know, cause some people just like, they're sarcastic by nature and that, you know, that's like their form of humor, which in person, or once you get to know that person, you know, like, oh, that's just, that's just their form of humor. But online, it just, you read it and you're like, wow, dude, like, you know, so any, I don't typically respond yeah. to much, but, but, uh, when I do, I, I try to very much, um, uh, I don't know, overcompensate or, or default to just being very polite and, and kind, <laughs> if you will, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, people ask some very basic questions, but also you got to think, like, if they're asking that basic of a question, they're probably really new. Right. You know, because I, I, one that jumps out to me is someone asks, like, is there any good public hunting in eastern Ohio? And, you know, to, to anyone who knows about hunting in Ohio, it's like, well, I mean, and they were talking about deer and it's like, well, that's where all the good public hunting is. is. You know, if you draw a line down the middle of the state, the majority of the good public hunting land is on the east half of the, the state, you know? Right, right. So it's like, yeah, like, you know, that, that seems like a very basic, you know, and people were giving them a hard time, like well, why don't you go out and scout and find out? And it's like, well, he probably doesn't even know if there's, you know, where a public hunting area is or how to find one. Right. You know, because he later on, he did. He said, like, geez, get off my back. Like, I'm, you know, I don't know anyone who hunts. I don't know anything about it. I just wanted to start. It's like, well... You know, now I bet you guys feel like jerks. At least I hope they do. Yeah, because sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's a it's a sport that without participation is going to die out. Yeah. Yeah, but, and, and I, I just... Ugh, social media, online communication is like, we're just... It feels like it's been around forever, but it, it it's just we as a as a species are still trying to figure it out you know it just doesn't it doesn't convey any emotion or or context through tone of voice or facial expressions and you, you know you don't you lose all of those other nonverbal communication cues right well and also i think i mean not just like the the being outright like mean you know aspect of social media in hiding behind a screen but like just slightly you know people are more confident to be slightly snarky or whatever you yeah, want to call yeah, it yeah behind a computer screen 
Yeah, for sure. You know, like they, and I mean, to someone who is genuinely asking for advice, you know, who's trying not to break the law or is trying to start a sport, you know, start the sport that doesn't come off well. Right. You know, and I think this is also a little bit of the, you know, and I, I don't want to blame this, you know, cause a lot of people gripe about, you know, not having physical check-in stations or, you know, but like not having those communal places for, for hunters. Right. Yeah. You know, when you had a deer, the deer check-in station, a lot of times you'd have the old timers there who, you know, they'd go hunt for a few hours in the morning and then sit in the deer check-in station all day, you know, that right, gas drink station. coffee and yeah. And then they'd go out right at the end of the day and, you know, then they'd go right back and get dinner at the check-in station right you know and you had that kind of community aspect there and or even sporting goods stores you know most shopping is done online right so you don't run into someone else at the sporting goods store you know you're not talking to the guy at the gun counter or whatever yeah yeah i would i would I mean, you know, I would love to meet and hang out with all of our listeners and, and have a big giant community. That's obviously not possible, but you know, the next best thing is our, our Facebook group. You know, we do have an Ohio Huntsman Facebook group and we, you know, we try to encourage people to, to be nice and, and be friendly. And we, uh, you know, we obviously don't have time or can't like quote unquote police every comment that, that goes on in there. But, you know, I would encourage any of you that are, are members of that group. If you, you know, if you see somebody being rude or, or maybe they didn't, you know, maybe you know them personally and, and you know, they didn't intend it to be rude, you know, but it, it maybe when you read it, you go, Ooh, that, you know, that could have be, could be taken as snarky, you know, maybe chime in and, I don't know, you know, it, just be nice to people. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And I, I probably the thing that kind of made me really take note of this is, you know, I'm looking to get in the waterfowl hunting this year and I don't know. Well, before doing research, I didn't know really the first thing about waterfowl hunting. Right. You know, I, it's something that I've never done. Um, I think the, the, the only thing I've done is I sat in a field with people goose hunting as a kid. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know anything. And, uh, so it's like, man, you know, people, you know, and then I, when I, see these deer hunting pages like man i'm afraid to ask you know these waterfowl guys <laughs> right any question you know because it's like i'm sure my questions are stupid right 
you know, and because I mean, the same thing happens on the waterfowl pages, and I'm sure if there was a squirrel hunting page, the same thing would happen there too. You know, I, you know, because teal season's coming up, and I saw some guy ask, like, you know, I'm not asking where, but has anyone seen teal? And, you know, people wanted to kind of, you know, harp on him, like, well, why don't you go out and scout and find them? It's like, well, he wasn't asking you to tell him where they were at. He was just asking you, had anyone seen him? Like, right, yeah. But that's, it's just, I don't know. We're our own worst enemy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I just encourage people to, at least when you're interacting online, especially in these times where we're not interacting much in person, you know, just because of the current situation, just be extra friendly online, be nice to people, and try to be helpful. You know, if it seems like a, if it seems like a silly question and, and you just can't help but, but, say something mean just leave it for somebody else to answer <laughs> but all right well should we get into the topic for this week then i think so i think we should dive into it all right let's do that all right so today it's jacob jeff and i and we kind of got a hodgepodge of things we want to talk about. Just kind of a BS session. First off, if you guys want to hear a first world problem in 2020, if you're, do you guys want to hear this? It's a TP yeah. story, so I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the TP factories, but... Uh, Maybe with running overtime, their quality control is going out the window. But have you ever gotten a roll of toilet paper that, uh, you know, they uh, perforated? You know, you get tickets, right? Yeah, uh, right. I've got a, and it, and I'm hoping the whole pack isn't like this, but we put a, a fresh roll of TP on. And this morning, it is, it's like a two-ply TP. And the two layers are offset from each other, like exactly half a sheet. So when you go to rip it on the perforation, because I'm the type of guy that rips on the perforation, that's what they're there for. Might as well use them. If you don't rip on the per- perforation, you're a savage. <laughs> <laughs> it tears the layer underneath of it, or it it you end up with a half a sheet of one ply on the ends because if both of them you know you picture what i'm saying i've got the top sheet yeah right offset now you want me to solve this problem what you just need to unroll the top sheet until they line up (laughs) oh don't tempt me it'll work (laughs) if i had some if i had some way of uh getting it rolled back up neatly no just the one is the top ply is the top sheet longer or shorter? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you just gotta unroll one of the plies until they line up, and then rip it off even, and then they'll be together. No, dude, they're they they don't line up. 
eventually they will because the outer roll is you know what I mean the outer it's a bigger circle so the outer sheet is going around uh, a, I think they'll eventually line up I don't think so it. do a study I want I want a double blind randomized controlled <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it because they're both yes I get that the outer sheet is is on a bigger diameter per every roll, but the roll gets smaller right. as you unroll equally. But, so if, yeah. if you, right. yeah. if you, let's, let's, let's reverse it. If you took a, a two ply toilet paper and glued the bottom layer to the roll, then rolled the, the rolled that sheet halfway, that first sheet, that first ticket, halfway up and then glued the second piece in the middle of the first piece, the, the, the right. glued the second layer, the second ply in the middle of the first sheet on the first ply, they would never line up. Right. I think that's what I got going on. Oh, it's frustrating. That would be for, especially for you. Yeah. So, <laughs> Because that's, that's going to mess up fold. That's going to mess everything up. I, t- <laughs> I told Ella, you know, because Ella still needs help wiping. And I was in there with her. I said, that's frustrating. That's enough for make to make me not use this bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> What'd she say? She, I don't, you know, she don't yeah. really understand what I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm just mm. being silly, you know, and she's like, whatever, dad, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, are you guys aware, Jacob? You mentioned fold. Are you aware that some psychopaths just bunch up their toilet paper? Yes. Like, you have to be crazy. Like that's that's a sign of insanity. Jacob didn't say anything. Are you a buncher? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sitting there spending my time in the nasty aroma closet. Line it up folds. I mean, I don't just like savagely bunch, but I am not putting clean creases in. Yeah, I'm not putting clean creases, but I'm folding. I'm not just grabbing a fistful of toilet paper and wiping with it. Now, I, in my younger days, I was like fold on the perforation, zigs, you know, whatever. But now what I'll do, and we are getting deep. <laughs> Deep in the weeds. Sure, this is what everybody wants to hear. I will take off a length that I think is sufficient, and I'll just fold it in half and fold it in half again until I get, you know, like a a palm-sized piece, you know, and take care of business. Okay. Anyhow. I think that's enough toilet paper talk for (laughs) for a while. Yeah. So... Well, unless we just want to continue down this path, because, Jason, you had a health scare, right? Oh, yeah. A little bit. So, what was it? Um, It would have been Wednesday afternoon. I started feeling, like, really run down, just like, man, I just, you know, I've got no energy you know, I'm working from home. I'm like, I'm like falling asleep at my desk here. I'm like, I want to go sit outside and work outside, sunshine, whatever. That'll, you know, wake me up. But I'm, you know, I'm just like 
sleepy. I'm starting to get a headache, you know. So after I got off work, I laid down, took a little bit of a nap. My headache's getting worse. Starting to, as the night goes on, starting to get achy. And I'm, you know, I don't know, whatever. I'm not thinking much of it. Slept like crap. That I went to bed early, but slept, you know, I just all night. I, you know, remember waking up and tossing and turning, slept like crap. Got up with a, you know, woke up with a migraine. Like it just, you know, my heart pounding in my head. You know, I could feel my heartbeat thumping in my head. And chills, you know, I took a, like, screaming hot shower, which is not, you know, I'm more of a cool shower guy, you know, uh, screaming hot shower. Cause I'm like, just chilled, go down, you know, having my morning coffee, telling Amanda about this. And she's like, I think you might, you know, cause at this point I'm still like, this is just weird. And it's like, I think you might want to call the doctor because all these symptoms you're telling me are the because she goes to aller she has a she's getting allergy shots right now and so every week she goes to the allergist and she's like those are all the symptoms that they ask me about before they'll let me in for my allergy shot so at this point I'm like oh crap I got Rona but by lunchtime the next day I felt fine Thursday lunchtime I felt normal um come evening you know i was maybe getting a little achy again but you know it was like is it because i'm looking for symptoms you know it was one of those like it was just barely maybe it's just because i'm like well that could be achiness and that could be the touch of it you know like you guys ever get like that i don't know is that really a symptom or is it just because i'm like really searching for something right so I call, tell them, you know, these are my symptoms. I guess they kind of line up with some of the, I I never ran a fever in all of this. Call, they said, well, we can get you in a, like a televisit tomorrow. So it would be Friday now, you know, 10, 10 o'clock or whatever. Okay. So like I said, feel fine the rest of the day. Um, I get up Friday morning, I feel great, you know, cause I, we went to bed kind of early again, you know, I feel good. Like I, nothing, you know, um, I did have, you know, I guess, you know, more bathroom talk. I did have a little diarrhea, uh, Friday morning, <clears throat> which I guess is another, you know, possible symptom. So I do the televisit with the doctor. He's asking me all the questions. Yeah, yeah, have you, you know, he's like, have you, you know, have you been out and about in big groups? I'm like, no, I, you know, Amanda does the grocery shopping. You know, I, I send her out into the, <laughs> into the, the wild to do all that. And she's been huh. doing all the online order, pick up at the drive, you know, drive up, pick up stuff. You know, it's like, I can count the, probably count I've left the house since this all started on two hands, you know, like I've been home. I don't, I don't see how I can Mm -hmm. have it unless Amanda and Ella had it. They didn't, you know, were asymptomatic, didn't have any symptoms. And I'm the only one that, you know, maybe had a touch of symptoms. But at this point, you know, I've in my head, I'm like, I've got it. 
you know, what else could it be, right? Like, you know, it's the only thing anybody's talking about ever. I've got it. Somehow I got it. So I, uh, you know, televisit, he comes on. Yep, yep, yep. You've got enough symptoms to warrant getting tested. So in the meantime, you know, so social isolation, stay home, you know, basically proceed as if you have it until you find out. So I get off the call. They're like, oh, yeah, there's a there's a testing center and we can get you. Like I said, my appointment was at like 1020. They're like, uh, you know, the doctor was like 20 minutes late to the appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's an appointment at 1145 at a, at a testing center near you. Well, the testing center is like 35 minutes away. So I basically jumped off the call with the doctor, got in the car and drove to get my test. Mm-hmm. And if you guys, you know, listeners, if you remember Jeff's experience with his coronavirus test, I'm getting mentally prepared. I brought oh, tissues like I'm I'm ready to have my brain scratched, you know, up the nose. And <clears throat> so I pull up and there's a just a, this trailer sitting out in the parking lot. No real signage or anything. There's just a trailer sitting there with some people sitting inside. So I'm like, well, I don't. Maybe that's where I need to go. I'm not sure. So I I drive a lap around the parking lot. I don't see anything else that seems like it's what I need. So I pull up to this trailer and I roll my window down. I said, is this COVID testing? He's there's nobody there. You know, there's no line like you see on TV. Uh, no line. They're just in the trailer on their phones. They said, yep, yep. I said, okay, uh, do I just stay here? Or He said, yep, just stay there. We'll be right with you. So they get suited up in the blue gowns and the face shields and everything. And here she comes with the Q-tip or the, you know, the Uh nose swab. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And it was nothing. She, I mean, she's okay. 10 seconds per nostril and she put it in my nose, but not like down your nasal cavity. No, it was just up into my nose and swabbed it around a little bit, you know, 10 seconds. Okay. Next one swabbed it around 10 seconds. You know, like after hearing your experience, Jeff, I'm like, I'm thinking, are you sure you're getting enough of what you need on there? Like, uh, this isn't what I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah, and this is what I've been hearing from people is they, they there's very different tests that they're doing, and I don't know why they give some people one test and other people different tests. I mean, I, I get that mine, you know, mine was pre-surgical, so they probably really wanted to be sure, you know, that I didn't have COVID because I could die probably if I had surgery, you know. So, I, but yeah, I don't know why they give some tests to some people and different tests to other people. You know, I don't know. Well, so long story short, my test came back negative, so I didn't have it, or at least per this test. But I did because they, you know, they you can connect to the online health record stuff now with your doctors. And I, I went in there and I looked at the the results, and it. Mine does say that it is one of the emergency 
FDA approved tests that, you know, is, is this test or this testing method is only valid as the situation merits, you know, because we need the extra testing capacity or whatever. This is one of the tests that was sort of rammed right. through the FDA approval process, I think. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, my experience was very different than yours, yeah. but yeah. long story short, I, it was, I don't know what it was, just some sort of weird fluky thing. But right. Right. Well, that's what I was kind of saying is, yeah, your symptoms match like all the COVID symptoms that they ask you, but also all those COVID, you know, like everything is a symptom of COVID now. Right. Yeah. You know, like every single possible thing, you know, it's like, oh, does your big toe hurt? Oh, yeah, that's COVID. Well, funny you mentioned because my doctor did say um, he said. Normally, before all this pandemic stuff, you know, it would just, you know, we would just say, well, you know, something probably viral. Sounds like you're feeling better. Just hydrate and rest. He said, but you've got enough of the symptoms that match. Probably ought to have you tested. And you mentioned the toes. He did ask me if I had sores on my on my fingers or toes. And uh, I said, he he thought you might have had hand, foot or mouth or something or. No, he said that there are. There's a real some, thing. It's called COVID toes. Yeah, oh, or, or really? he called it, I, or he called it blue toe. He called it blue yeah. toe, like where you get these bluish sores, or or your toes turn color. I get Jake. You probably know more about yeah. it than I do. Not a ton, but it's like a real thing that they're seeing. They're seeing it more in children. That's what he said. Um, yeah, that it's a symptom or a yeah that's coming from it. Because they're saying, you know, kids don't get it while they're starting to see kids show up with these, they're calling it COVID toes. But yeah, it's like a blue, I don't know a lot about it, like I said, but it's something that the the COVID is showing up in children through that. They're not getting other symptoms. They're just getting these Uh COVID toes as they're calling them. Yeah, and he did say that, you know, because I've told him, by the time I talked to him, you know, I was like, it was Friday. Like I said, my symptoms were pretty much gone Thursday at lunchtime. You know, I feel great. I feel fine. I, you know, Friday, I, I worked on the chicken coop. I burned brush all afternoon. You know, I felt fine. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, he said, yeah, a, a lot of times, you know, people, young, healthy people like you are, you know, showing very mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. He said, you know, I've had people who had to get a test for, you know, some other reason, not because they were feeling ill and it comes back positive and they're like, Oh, I, you know, I, I never, I didn't know. I, I never had any symptoms, you know? And so I don't know that was, but I, I was for sure. Like I, you know, by the time mm-hmm. the doctor's appointment and yeah, we need a test. I'm like, I got it. I don't know how I got it, but I got it. You know, like I'm like uh-huh. in my head, I for sure have it. And uh-huh. I'm, this is going to sound, I mean, not to be like callous to the people who are getting it and, and really suffering from it. But like by this point, you know, if, you know, I, I felt bad for let's call it 24 hours and, and bad is, you know, I would have pre COVID, I would have went to work, not thought anything of it. You know, it wasn't like I was laid up 
sick by any imagination. You know, I was just, like I said, a little rundown, a little achy. Um, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, oh yeah. But you know, I, you know, I was in my head, I, I've got it for sure. And then when I found out I didn't, I was a little bit like, oh man, now I still got to worry about this crap. Like there was part of me that was like, well, if that's all it's going to be, like, let me just get it. Let me just, you know, let's just hope that I have it and get it over with. Yeah. Basically, like if that's all it's going to be, I hope, I kind of hope it comes back positive so I can just, you know, kind of be done worrying about it. But yeah, alas, that is not the the case. So, So one more COVID thing before we get to actually what we came here to talk about. Um, the symptom that I'm surprised that isn't getting more attention because I've, I know two people on Facebook and then like someone I know on Facebook's uh, parent had COVID. And what all of them have talked about is they, before they even feel any symptoms, they lose completely lose the sense of smell, smell. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is this symptom not being talked about more? Like in in every case I've heard, you know, like people who are talking on TV, you know, people who have had it. And then the three people that I know directly all talk about before any of the symptoms, they completely lose the sense of smell. They can't smell a thing. And it's like, the doctor That's, asked me about that, you know, yeah, that, any loss of, of, uh, smell or taste. And I, I didn't have any of that. Yeah. That just seems like a really good indicator, you know, from my limited experience. And I feel like people aren't talking about it. My boss had that now she, so shortly after we all went into lockdown back in March, you know, we're working from home and we're, we're having daily, you know, check-in calls and, and she talked about how, she had been feeling kind of crummy and she said, I, you know, I can't smell or taste anything, you know, it's really weird, but it, you know, it wasn't bad for her. And, you know, remember that was like, things were real crazy. We didn't know, you know, anything, everybody's just basically in panic mode. And so she, they never went and got tested or anything, but I suspect, and she suspects that she probably had it back in, March or whatever, when, you know, shortly after everybody kind of went in lockdown. Right. So, yeah. All right. Are we ready to talk about the outdoors now? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jeff, you had mentioned, I guess to to maybe back up, we, uh, we did an episode here recently on, you know, what, what new hunters or, or just hunters in general need to know about. Pittman Robertson. And I think this topic, Jeff, that you wanted to talk about kind of plays into that and or the Dingle Johnson, which is the the fishing and, and water conservation side of it. Um, maybe it's it's just one big conversation, I guess. But, you know, you wanted to mention something about uh, kayak registration. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> kayaking this summer because of COVID has, you know, and all of that, you know, kayak and canoeing has all kind of really gone up this year um, because of COVID and people want to do 
outdoor socially distanced activities. And I've been having to tell a lot of people or because the, the other one is they either buy a brand new kayak or they, you know, dig one out of a garage somewhere, or canoe out of a garage somewhere. I've been having to tell a lot of people like, you know, you need to register those like you need to actually go to the title bureau or go online and register those like you like people you know or just people yeah. you see out there no people people i know you know personally right okay um friends of my wife and you know it's like you gotta register that you know a lot of people don't know and when you tell them that they kind of get upset you know like i have to register a you know a little 10 foot boat right and you know i explained to him like it's not like a full boat registration like you know you would need for a speed boat um but you know there is a fee involved and what's it cost it's twenty dollars if you want to put numbers you know like your actual registration numbers on the side of your boat it's twenty five dollars if you just want like one little like two by six sticker on your boat you have to pay an extra five dollars to not put those big registration numbers on your boat really yeah which is totally worth it because those big numbers are an eyesore and annoying you know i've heard you know especially on kayaks and stuff like you know you're always worried about them falling off and so what I guess what um, I guess not that it matters, but what's the it's it's more work for the officers out in the field to to check them if you don't so they charge extra or what I, I don't know. I think that your like boat registration doesn't get put into like a computer system unless you have the you pay that five extra dollars. Oh, okay. Like it, it's it's the pay for a technology fee is what I think. Okay. I you know because I I looked into it at one point, but yeah. So a lot of people get upset when you tell them you got to pay this. You know, it's money that they didn't expect to have to spend. And you know, I'm all for kind of this registration fee because that money goes to like the. I can't remember exactly what it's called. I think it's the Watercraft Safety Fund. Oh, okay. But it's used for, you know, to keep our, you know, lake watercraft law enforcement, boater access, you know, keeping the lakes clean and the waterways clean. and So it goes to know. good use. Yeah, yeah. The money goes to good use, and it's just like buying hunting license or anything like that like it's fairly cheap entertainment you know it's fairly it's fairly cheap for the amount you know the hours of entertainment you're getting now is that only if you're using it on public waterways you have to register yeah yeah i think if you if you want to use it on your private water you're perfectly fine to not not have it registered I mean, what if you even, live on a private lake? 
Um, it doesn't matter, a, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't it's not know. Tended to be, to be a, an all-inclusive rules on uh, watercraft yeah. registration. Episode, yeah, I don't but. know that. That could be a gray area. Um, another interesting thing that I found out was that you don't need to register paddle boards, but you need oh, to register really? kayaks, which I thought was really odd because someone got a paddle board and. You know, they asked me and it was like, I assume, yeah, you do, because it's not, you know, there's not much different than a kayak, you know, especially just like a sit on kayak. Right. You yeah. know, so I was like, I assume, but I don't know. And, you know, I directed them where to look and you don't you don't need it. You don't huh. need to register those. <clears throat> but the big complaint that people kind of have with registering kayaks and canoes is well in that same vein shouldn't they shouldn't you have to register bicycles i mean they're also using you know like because kind of the thought is you're using the same resource as people with big boats are so you need to pay into it some well people with bikes are using the same resources as cars are using and they're also using, you know, like mountain biking and trail biking are using the park's resources. Right. Even if it's paved paths, right? You're still right. using a, a public resource. Right. And, I mean, I they're putting in a lot of mountain biking trails around now. You know, mountain yeah. biking's on the, the upswing. And they pay nothing right you know and i mean i i believe mountain biking organizations are you know paying for those trails to be put in and you know they're coming up with all the funds for the state but there's still a maintenance and law enforcement aspect right. to it and safety yep you know people are probably getting hurt on those mountain biking trails which is, re you know, requiring, uh, I would assume that's probably the park, you know, park rangers and the wildlife officers are kind of responding to those calls. Right. You know, it's requiring and, special kind of extraction if you right. break your leg or something and you're back in a mountain bike trail or something. Right, right. So I, it was just a interesting point that people were bringing up that like this makes no sense and i i don't disagree with them you know and I, for for me it's you know the more money we can get for conservation and wild places you know the better and it if that's something you're really into is biking mountain biking whatever I think it's a small fee to pay, you know, because mountain biking is really, you know, mountain biking and biking on parks and, you know, wildlife areas is, you know, really the one where it's like, you know, maybe they should be paying into this system like everybody else is. Yeah. 
you know. I mean, because I, w- I think I would struggle and you would struggle to convince people, I think, to that, like, anybody that operates a bike on the road or sidewalk or whatever. Right. Like, oh, boy, you know. So right, like, yeah, then you're going to yeah. charge me to walk down the sidewalk, to, you know, like, right, right. Cause it's, it's, yeah, people who are walking. Yeah. That's a slippery slope. Right. But, uh, I mean, I guess they, they they have toll roads, right. They charge you to drive on, but you know, it just, yeah, I don't know. Somewhere in there, it feels like you, you crossed a line where it's like, no, oh, this is just crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking but of I, this, this just popped in my head that I just remembered of another time that I, uh, like two weeks ago, I drove past a wildlife area mm-hmm. and there was people picking blackberries there. Oh. And it's like, you know, that's interesting because, I mean, maybe they have hunting and fishing licenses, but also maybe they don't. And, you know, I mean, that's the land's definitely there for consumptive use, but. That's they may not be paying into that consumptive use pool. So maybe there should be some sort of like foraging license. You're saying if you want to go out yeah. and forage. Yeah, I it that that just kind of I remembered seeing that and I thought that while driving and then I, it slipped my mind till now. But yeah, yeah, it's like that's a interesting, interesting. So, you know, it's just interesting. Yeah. My devil's advocate question then, though, is if you create a foraging license, say five, ten dollars, whatever, do you now have to pay an additional? You and I, you know, I have a lifetime hunting license in the state of Ohio. Do I have to now pay an additional five to ten dollars every year to pick morels, or because I have a lifetime hunting license and I've paid into the system, am I allowed to forage on my hunting license? Mm, good question. Right. Well, I think to to pick jinx, ginseng, you have to have a hunting license. So it it should be similar to that, you know, I think. I don't know. Where I don't know. I'm just, a, that's what came to mind. I was like, well, is that another $5 I'm going to have to spend every year just in case I stumble upon a morel? Right. But yeah, I, that's how I would, you know, is if you have a fishing or a hunting license, you're good. And then... If you are just foraging, you can, you know, get a right. couple dollar forage license, five dollar forage license, which I mean, even since... five dollars may be steep, but which may be why they don't have it is because it's like, well, the money it would cost to print, you know, to manage a license system and enforce it is more than we would get for it. But it was just an interesting thought that popped in my head. I think since we're coming up with the idea, we can make the rules however we want. <laughs> so <laughs> right. our hunting well, licenses are good. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it just it all falls into the same discussion and conversation. Like there's a lot of users that are using public lands. And this is bigger than just Ohio, that we have to develop some sort of a way to have them pay to play you know i mean it cannot continue to fall on the backs of hunters and fishermen especially as those numbers decline over time because that's what's happening to hunter numbers it's declining generally across the country we're 
they're dying off and less people are getting into it. So there's less money going into the system, less money to maintain the public lands. And that's where you get these big backlogs of public land projects. And, you know, we've got to find a way to get these new, the new age public land users, like you said, mountain bikers, bird watchers, foragers, whatever it is, to somehow pay something to pay into that system so that, you know, they're enjoying it and using it. You know, everybody's got to do their part. And I don't necessarily know the answer to that, but I think it all falls into that same category. I mean, that's the issue is more and more people are getting out and enjoying the outdoors, which is great. But the more people that use the outdoors, the more potentially wear and tear there is on the outdoors, you know, the parks especially, which are then going to need more maintenance and upkeep, which is going to cost more money. And if there's not more people paying to do that, that's just more bills to try and cover with less money. Yeah, because I've read a couple articles about the national park system and how basically they're getting, you know, they, they have this huge influx of people because of COVID and the parks are just getting destroyed, you know, just wear wore down and right. they don't they don't have the money to to fix it. You know, like they're they already had backlogs of maintenance and now they have even more maintenance they need to do. Right. I mean, so. a, if you have a trail that it's a relative, you know, whatever, it's a relatively infrequently used trail, it's going to support vegetation and just be a pretty narrow little trail but now if you got 300 people a day walking that trail it's going to be wore down you know is down to the dirt nothing growing right and then you and get then a heavy got, rain right risk and then you're the gonna be, right and then you're going to be washing out and now you're going to have cliffs falling off you know it just it adds up yeah i mean that's a dramatic yeah. situation kind of but it's real you know you got a trail that runs along an edge a cliff edge out west which people like because you go out there and oh it's a beautiful view but now that whole trail could wash out because it doesn't have the supporting vegetation to support the edge right right so i want to pause here briefly and talk about our sponsor monster whitetail grub so monster whitetail grub is a ohio deer feed company and they've got what you need when it comes to deer feed or or deer attractant so you can get straight mineral you can get flavored corn which sort of ups the ante on on just straight corn and then they have their signature monster whitetail grub feed which is a high protein feed it's got mineral mixed in it's more of a a coarse feed so it, it takes them a little longer to eat it and you can get all kinds of additives added into it so it's a really great product and a really good company so if that's something you want to try, go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors and get more information on where you can buy some of their product. Now, let's get back into the conversation. Uh, yeah, or, or the other way that, you know, that you could look at this or, I've, you know, I've thought about is like, and this is, I'm sure, more far-fetched because, you know, you could change. I'd almost like to see, or I can make an argument of, instead of having everybody pay to play and now everybody feels like, well, I'm paying in. So I want, you know, 
I want a seat at the table, if you will, in this, in the discussion. So I want better birding habitat, or I want more, more mountain bike trails or, you know, like maybe hunters continue to bear the burden and that, that way we kind of get what it is we want, but you somehow change the narrative of, you know, hunter, you know, there's like this general public narrative that hunters are redneck, bloodthirsty, don't care about anything, you know, like right. just out there shooting everything, just love killing stuff. But change the narrative to like, you know, to where people want to like thank a hunter. Like, you know, you guys are the reason this is all here. Thank you. We like seeing you out here. Good luck. You know, like I could, right. you could, I could envision a scenario where that would be kind of cool. Right. Like we're kind yeah. of the wildlife heroes, but that's not, I mean, that's a, that's a right. rainbows and unicorns kind of thing. Well, one, I mean, a start is to start putting up signs everywhere. Like, Hey, this, this was paid for by hunters and fishers. Right. You know, like every, you know, for everything that, that we do pay into, you know, cause or at least, you know, this this thing was paid for by this. Right. You know, because I think that would get a Just lot increase, more. Yeah, increase the public awareness. Right. Like, oh, this thing that I thought was, you know, basically happening in contrast to, to hunters is actually paid for by hunters. Right. Yeah. You know, right. wildlife refuges in the state, like a lot of the money that comes for the management and all of that is coming from hunters. And the, you know, those are supposed to be sort of the opposite, you know, like this is so, you know, a lot of people think wildlife refuges are so that hunters aren't killing everything. You know, the, the animals have somewhere to go where they can't be killed. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, that's sort of the idea, but it's, I mean, especially in Ohio, a lot of times it's to protect very rare plant species. Yeah. Um, but I, a lot of that money is coming, you know, when it all boils down to it from hunters and shooters. So I wonder how it, many, like since Onyx and, and those these type of mapping softwares have gotten more popular, I wonder how, how much the like the park systems have had to to answer questions of you know people finding pieces of public ground that they didn't know you know or pieces of pieces of ground that are owned by say the park system and you know your county park system or you know they're owned by the state but they're not open for hunting you know i know of, of one specifically in our area that's owned by the county park system. And I sent them an email. I guess the question is, have people started inquiring about these pieces of land and like, have they seen an increase in questions about like, Hey, can I go on that? Like, what, what's the story with this chunk of property over here that I see you guys own that, you know, it's, it seems like it should be a public resource if it's owned by, you know, the public park system. Have they, has that garnered, um, additional interest in those type of like sort of hidden pieces of public ground. 
Yeah, I I don't know necessarily about that, but I do know that when people do find out that land is owned by like the park district, you know, my brother-in-law works for a park district, um, used to be a ranger, um, but when they find out that it's owned by the park district, they feel that it's public for them to access. You know, it's, I, you know, I own it. I, I pay taxes into the park district. So if I want to go walk on it, I can go walk on it. You know, whether there there's a parking lot or a trail or anything, you know, I, I can go use it. Right. And, you know, that's not the case. Park districts own properties for different reasons. And only one of, you know, one of their missions is for, for recreation. You know, right. some of it is conservation and things like that. Yeah. So I, I know when, and, you know, when you do catch them, they want to kind of, you know, really give you this hard time. Like, how can it, you know, because what they're effectively doing is trespassing. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not trespassing. This is, you know, this is a park. And it's like, well, yes, it's owned by the park district, but it's not a park. Right. So that's that's a hard concept for people to understand. Yeah. I mean, even I, like, I mean, this was some number of years ago that I found this piece, but it actually bordered a piece of property that I had permission to hunt at the time. And so I was like, well, this is sweet. You know, maybe I can go in there and, and hunt or at least shed hunt or something. And I emailed the the park district and yeah, they basically told me, yeah, it's, it's, we're not, I'm trying to remember. I think they hadn't owned it for long or something. And they, so they have, they, I think the story they gave me was they hadn't had a chance to like, survey the property and see what kind of vegetation they didn't want me in there trampling, you know, trouncing around and possibly damaging, uh, you know, uh, rare or, you know, threatened species of vegetation or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah, that can be another thing. Another reason why, you know, a park district could own property and, not have anything developed on it is just that they haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. Um, but that still doesn't mean that you are allowed to go <laughs> walk on it. Yeah. You know, I think there's I, even I, like a liability issue there. That may have yeah, been another thing they gave probably. me is like, we just don't know what is in there yet. And we just can't let you in, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. So, on another topic, have I don't know if you guys follow any of the because any of the 350 Legend like Facebook groups or anything like that, or, or you know been following any of the 350 Legend stuff. But I, you know, when they announced the 350 Legend cartridge, I was, you know, I think much like a lot of people, really interested and in wanting to see how, you know, I I kind of fell in the boat of like this is interesting and exciting if it if it you know, if it follows all the claims that they're, they're making about it, this, you know, I could be into this, but, you know, I wanted to see if it was just going to be another one of these sort of flash in the pan, new hot cartridges. And then five years later it's gone and, you know, you can't find ammo and that kind of thing. So I, anywho, I've been following some of the stuff and I've been seeing 
quite a lot of people having issues, like feeding issues in the semi-auto, like I guess basically the AR platform 350s. Have you guys been seeing any of that? Do you follow any of the, like I guess, news or talk online about 350 Legend? Yeah, I've followed some, and I've seen kind of the same thing that you're alluding to, is that there's a surprising amount of people who run into issues with feeding the AR platforms with 350 Legend. And it's not one ammo manufacturer specific. It's There seems to be, it's kind of a across-the-board problem in general. Yeah, and it's it's, and I guess... I don't know. I haven't really taken the time to like dig into the weeds of it, but it seems like definitely because th- th- you c- the Bear Creek Arsenal uppers you can buy those for cheap, so they're attractive. But I see a lot of people in Facebook groups saying, <clears throat> you know, they bought a Bear Creek upper. Those are the those are the BCA that you see. Yeah, yeah, BCA. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see that a lot. Yeah, that they just they. For something about that that upper, and I don't, it, it might be a feed ramp issue, I, I think. But you see a lot of people talking about, it. oh, the, I can't can't get this to feed, or it's been shooting the target loads all summer, great, no issues, and then now I, I you know, switch into a hunting load, and so the bullet shape is a little different. It and you know, it's maybe got less of uh, like the rounded nose, or you know, you're going to a more conical bullet. And all of a sudden they're getting, I think what happens is the, you know, as it goes to strip the bullet off the top of the magazine, instead of feeding it up and into the chamber, it's just kind of getting stuck on that angle. And the, the bolt carrier group is just ramming into the shell and it, it jams, you know, or the round, I guess it's not a shell. Yeah. uh, The only thing I've heard about this was, yeah, a feed ramp issue was, People weren't using the correct, you know, people who were modifying another AR weren't using the correct feed ramp. Yeah, I've seen because I've seen some people say, oh, you just got to really polish your feed ramp and it'll it'll fix it. Or I've seen some people talk about, well, you know, it could be a magazine issue. You need to bend this lip out or, you know, but I'd be curious. I've seen a lot of stuff where it's like. Take, I mean, I'm by no means, let me preface this, I'm by no means someone who has ever built an AR and knows a whole lot about it. But it seems like a lot of people that are, <laughs> it's just weird to me because you're essentially damaging or altering what should be a brand new product and not need changed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'll oh, get this brand new magazine and then cut this big lip out of it. <laughs> right. Like, that doesn't yeah. seem right. That's not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> right. It'll work great. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think, you know, because I've done a little bit of, because uh, originally there was some issues with factory ammo being, I think, out of spec to where it was getting jammed in the chambers, um, you know, and like, blowing out some primers and things because the the round was getting jammed, which is causing over over pressure conditions and things like that. I think they've since got that worked out, but because of the way, and I should have looked into this a little bit, but I think because of the way the cartridge is dimensioned, 
because it's not a it's a rimless cartridge, so most of your straight walled stuff is dimensioned from the rim, and I think this is dimensioned to the like the tip of the case, and so as you if your case is a little long, it can jam into the like the throat of the chamber where the bullet starts to seat, which causes it basically pinches the bullet harder now and you get over pressure conditions. And so I, th- I think there's probably some, especially if you're going to get into reloading, I think case length is very important on, on, uh, 350 legend as opposed to your other rimmed like a 4570 or 44 magnum because it's a rimless it's dimensioned differently and so i think yeah you know dimensions are taking like setback dimensions for the bullet and things like that are taken to the end of the case versus the rim of the cartridge yeah well that's also another good point to kind of bring up for people who you know because a lot of people are getting into reloading you know with their extra time now is uh don't always expect that every manufacturer's brass is going to be the same when it comes to rifle cartridges yeah um primarily 4570 and 44 44 magnum um because you think like oh you know it's a it's a cartridge, you know, like those cases are a set dimension, which they're supposed to be. But when you get into specialty hunting rounds, sometimes the manufacturers will, you know, uh, fudge those dimensions a little bit. And if you have one of those mixed in with other brass of a different height, um, it can mess with your reloading. You know, your bullets can fall out or, you know, things like that. Like, they don't get a good seed in the case. Right. So, so Jeff, you have a 350 Legend. It's not, it's a bolt action, though, right? Yeah, it's a bolt action. Have you done much shooting with it? Have you had any feeding or, or pressure issues? I haven't done a lot of shooting. Um, okay. I basically have only pulled the trigger just to see how much it kicks that's okay. it i haven't even sighted it in so i'm not much help on that how much does it kick in your opinion and what were you shooting do you remember like the bullet grain and what ammo you were shooting it was the winchester white box full metal jacket okay um, i don't know what grain that is but you know there's only there's only one, you know what I mean? They don't yeah. make that that in different grain. You know, it's just a practice yep. ammo. And it kicks probably similar to like a 44 out of a rifle, which is basically nothing. Okay. You know, it's it would be very good for a small framed shooter or a, a kid. Okay. You know, much I'm much better than you know a 12 gauge or a, a 450 Bushmaster, 4570, 
you know, those guns kick. So I'd be, I guess, yeah. So any listeners, if you've had, you know, if you have a AR platform 350 legend, you know, let us know, I guess. Have you had issues, feeding issues? What, you know, what are you running? What, what upper are you running? What ammo works? What ammo doesn't work? That kind of thing. I've also, the other thing is I've seen some of these people like, oh, my, my, again, I guess to, to pick on Bear Creek Arsenal, some people love them. Some people have had no issues with them and they're, they're great. But I've, I saw another one this morning. I was looking into it, and uh, this guy said, mine feeds great. My problem is I can't shoot any better than a three-inch group at 100 yards, which seems crazy, you know. I, I'm, always, I'm always cautious, though, about, like, accuracy claims online because uh, so much of that is the shooter, you know. Like, well, is it, is it you? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I got to imagine that somebody posting about accuracy, right. like, I can shoot better than that with this other gun, but, you know, maybe just shoot that other gun better. You know, I don't know. Well, yeah, or they they have a problem with their equipment, you know, that they're responsible for, you know, their, their yeah, scopes scope, loose yeah. or, yep, yep. you know, things like that, where it's like, that's a problem with your equipment. You know, or think... it could be the ammo, too. I mean, I've I've shot some cheap ammo that was very bad you know I, it was you couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with it yeah now that you mention that i think i because i looked into like the bear creek uppers and i i think they they make some kind of a claim or you know certify that their uppers will shoot you know before they ship them that they'll shoot I don't know exactly what it was, but less than a three inch group, you know, like they test fire them. I'm sure on some sort of platform where there's, you know, there's not like a shooter, human shooter error, you know, it's on a, a some sort of a sled or something, but I, I'm pretty sure Bear Creek makes some sort of statement saying that they're, if it doesn't send it back and we'll, figure it out or something like that so yeah accuracy things online are always a little suspect all right we've been talking for a while you guys got any other random topics you want to talk about before we uh shut her down yeah i got one funny story to tell you guys all right let's hear it so i'm getting in the waterfowl hunting this fall you know it'll be my first year of waterfowl hunting yep and uh so i'm buying all the appropriate licensing and you know buying all my all my stuff that i'm going to need and then appropriate licensing you know i need a federal waterfowl stamp wetland stamp and a state wetland stamp which buying the state stamp is no big deal you just buy it like your hunting license you know and you get a a paper license paper stamp you know, says a receipt basically saying that you bought the stamp that you carry and then they mail you a physical stamp later. Um, with buying the federal stamp, it's a little bit of a different, you know, challenge. You can uh, you can buy them online from a bunch of different places or you can also just go to many post offices is what it says. So I call our local small post office 
and ask if, you know, I said, do you guys carry federal duck stamps? You know, like, is that something that you guys have? And the lady that answers the phone says, oh, well, you know, we got we got a bunch of different stamps. You know, I'm sure we can find something you like. I don't know if we have any that have ducks on them. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, the stamp is going to have it's going to be one stamp. And yes, it's going to have a duck on it. But I'm not looking for postage stamps. I'm looking for a a federal like a duck hunt. You know, this is. A federal migratory bird stamp that allows me to hunt migratory birds. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have anything like that. You know, this is a post, you know, like basically like this is a post office. Like we sell <laughs> you dummy, this stamps. is a post office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know <laughs> I know what you're looking for says stamp. But, you know, we sell postage stamps, sweetie. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you know, like you're the idiot. I'm not the idiot here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, like, that's good. I, you work for the company that sells these things. Like, I don't know how no one's ever mentioned to you, you know, even yeah. if you don't sell them at your branch, that like, hey, this is something that we sell. This is a thing, yeah. And, you know, someone might ask you for it at some point. Right. Yeah, you know, I get that we we live in a part of the state that probably isn't super huge on, you know, waterfowl hunting. Yeah. Yeah, because I see people on waterfowl hunting Facebook groups and stuff that in Ohio that are talking about their Walmarts carrying decoys and, you know, having, you know, they're complaining about the, the steel shot selection at their Walmart. And it's like, yeah. All the Walmarts around here carry zero decoys. Yeah. And your steel shot selection is typically pretty limited, you know. There's a couple of boxes of Remington and a couple of boxes of Winchester Super X, and that's what you have. About it, yeah. Yeah. But it was just... I already kind of felt a little, you know, I'm already a little lost with this whole waterfowl hunting thing because it's yeah. completely new. You know, yeah. it's I it's very weird being, you know, someone who has hunted my whole life. And uh, this is something that I have no idea about, really. Right. You know, so it was already kind of this awkward, like, you know, I feel like an idiot call right. making this phone call and then this lady's like yeah no we we sell this is a post office we sell postage stamps <laughs> <laughs> you know like maybe maybe check a sporting goods store and it's like yeah okay <laughs> okay you were no help yeah so yeah. i'm i think i'm gonna call a a larger post office or just buy one online but it it just seemed better to me to go you know go to the place that sells it than buy it online you know i it it was just like i i want to physically especially because i don't know what i'm doing you know i want to make sure i physically have my stamp before i go hunting you know because you're you're allowed to use a receipt for so many days with the federal stamp but it's like i'd rather just have the stamp because i'm completely clueless as to what i'm doing and i want to be legal yeah all right 
well, I think that's it. I'll let you guys uh, get your days going here. And, uh, yeah, let us know. Let us know if uh, you got any 350 Legend issues. Let Jeff know how he needs to get his his federal stamp. And uh, I guess that's it. Okay, so that's going to do it for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed this uh, wide-ranging and, and wandering episode. And if you like this these kinds of episodes, let us know. We can do more of these. Or if you don't like it, let us know that too. And we can do less of them. So hopefully everybody's week is going well. And you're continuing to... Uh, I guess manage or or cope with this uh, new reality of uh, work from home, social distancing. You know, as we're all trying to figure out what the rest of the year looks like, what life going forward looks like. So, hopefully, that's all working out well for you and not causing you too much headache. As always, thank you all for listening and sharing the episodes. That means a lot to us. And I just ask that you continue to do that. If you've got an idea for a topic, let us know. Lots of ways to get in touch with us. You can you can send us a message on Facebook. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook. Send us a message on Instagram. We're Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast. You can send us an email, ohiohuntsman at gmail.com. There's a contact us form on our website, ohiohuntsman.com. Lots of different ways. So if there's something you want us to cover, a question you have for us, anything like that, let us know and we will do our best to answer it or get an answer to it. And with that, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.